Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include my interview with Poly founder and CEO, Adam Carmel, on capital markets trends, margin compression across channels, and who he goes to for advice, and how tensions in Ukraine are impacting mortgage rates. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus. Hit the slopes with Simple Nexus at Snug, its fourth annual user group conference. Held at Utah's iconic Snowbird Ski Resort from February 28th to March 3rd, Snug brings together Simple Nexus's team of experts with industry thought leaders and mortgage lenders for an event filled with market insights, networking opportunities, and strategies for leveraging the Simple Nexus product suite for success in 2022. See the full agenda and register now at simplenexus.com. Greetings from wintry Chicago, where mortgage rates, as they are across the nation, are back to levels from May 2019. Did you know that the name Chicago comes from either a Native American word for wild onion or a striped skunk, depending on one's mood? But you don't have to go too far for a wiener. <laughs> there are more than 2,000 hot dog stands in the city of Chicago, more than the number of Burger Kings, McDonald's, and Wendy's restaurants in the city combined. Downtown Chicago has 160 million square feet of office space. What will become of it? The managers at lenders and vendors around our business continue to make decisions about where their staffs work. While most financial institutions are pursuing a return to office work, government agencies, including the Federal Reserve and the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, are maintaining remote work, with the Securities and Exchange Commission setting June 6 as a provisional return date. CEOs at banks and other entities say a return to the office is important for firms' culture and ability to respond quickly to market conditions. And SIMFA president and CEO Kenneth E. Benston Jr. says it is preferable for executives and regulators to be able to meet face-to-face when needed. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show Adam Carmel, founder and CEO of Poly an end-to-end capital markets ecosystem that optimizes lender performance from rate lock to loan sale and delivery. With over a decade in the mortgage industry working during the credit crisis, serving as VP of Provident Funding, and later founding his first company, Ethos Lending, Adam utilizes his experience to innovate the mortgage industry and bring it to the digital age. All right, Adam, Pauly is this end-to-end capital markets ecosystem that optimizes lender performance. Everybody's talking about it. I want to ask you, what prompted you to start the company? Thanks for having me, Robbie. It was back in 2017, 18. I had started this uh, mortgage company, this fintech mortgage company, and we were using a number of uh, software solutions. And at the time, it was very popular to start thinking about digitizing mortgages. And I was at this mortgage company. I started to think about really where I thought the largest problems were uh, to hopefully solve in the mortgage industry. And I kept on coming back to um, the capital markets. And so back then, um, it was the case, it felt like that the industry would consider just a pricing engine to be a capital market, the capital market software. And and we were power users uh, at the time of Optimal Blue, and I was having trouble managing margins and setting them up in a dynamic way and having a lot of our lock desk workflows automated and just a number of things um, kind of felt 
problematic for what, what I was looking to achieve at that company. And as I was talking to other folks uh, throughout the industry, I was, I was saying, hey, is this just me or, or am I kind of crazy? And they said, no, you know, we, we kind of feel that same pain. And, you know, there, there really hasn't been another solution in over two decades. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of aligned with you. So I, I just I said to myself, oh, boy. Um, there might be this really interesting opportunity to help um, solve what I thought was a problem. And, you know, back then and still to this day, who knows, um, we'll, we'll have to see if, you know, we can solve it. But um, I ended up having this idea around looking at the entire kind of value chain within the capital market space and creating software on a vertically integrated basis, which would include, you know, from end to end, um, from lock commitment all the way to loan sale. Fantastic. I want to talk to you today about some trends that we're seeing in the market currently. And one of those, or I guess the biggest one to open 2022 is rising rates, which is certainly creating headwinds for mortgage lenders. There's excess supply relative to demand. And in any market as competitive as the mortgage industry, we should naturally see elasticity with the pricing. Can you kind of explain that concept to our listeners? Sure. Well, there's a number of things happening, obviously. And I'm sure everyone in the industry knows most, you know, everyone's seen, it's a very cyclical industry and everyone's seen this, uh, this movie play out both up and down. Of course, it was a wonderful 2020 and kind of first part of 2021. And as the Fed has started to talk about normalizing their balance sheet and uh, at least ending quantitative easing, maybe even moving into quantitative tightening. Um, and starting to talk about or um, and project rising rates, you know, of course, um, as that's occurred, you've seen this sell-off in the treasury market, and of course, the uh, mortgage market follows. And actually, on a historical basis as well, the mortgage market relative to the treasury market is still pretty pretty narrow, and so that might normalize as well. And so, what's happened is rates have risen. Uh, there's just a lot less refinances in the market. And kind of the double whammy right now is that there is the purchase activity may slow down. There just is not enough inv- new inventory in the market. There's been a lot of inflation with, you know, on a uh, compounding growth rate basis on uh, home prices. So there's just a lot of things hitting the market at the exact same time. And as there is just then less demand or consumers needing or wanting new mortgages. Um, and the industry still has, which just, you know, of course, we're going to go from whatever it is, $4 trillion to say $2 trillion in a two-year period. And yet the industry is still set up to probably originate three, three and a half, four trillion. You naturally are seeing significant margin compression, even more so in certain channels like wholesale and consumer direct. Um, because you know you these these lenders have built up these large machines to accommodate a, a you know a lot more volume that's likely to be the case in 2022 and so as a result you're seeing as you said significant elasticity in the margin uh, for these mortgage companies yeah let's talk about that a little bit more can you talk about how margin compression is varying across different channels and kind of you mentioned that companies are built to do a lot more volume than they're doing now. What's the significance of them doing less volume? Are, are companies also built to scale up and down properly, or do you feel like that's a problem in the industry? 
Sure. So, I mean, certain channels certainly are experiencing margin compression worse than others. You know, and this this has historically been the case where a correspondent channel or a wholesale channel will see probably the most significant drop off in margins and consumer direct uh, thereafter. And of course, retail distribution, probably a little less so. Nonetheless, all channels are seeing margin compression. And you would expect some of that to be the case because each of those channels have different cost structures, right? And uh, where, where you would see the largest margin compression, it's likely to be the case. Those channels have the kind of a higher variable cost structure versus, say, maybe a retail distribution channel that maybe has a higher fixed cost structure. Now, of course, this is just thematic. I couldn't speak to any individual company. And in terms of where it heads and, and such, and the cost structure being, are they set up for higher costs or lower costs and such? The industry is an extremely, extremely resilient group of operators. Everyone has seen this play out time and time again. And so while there are companies that are set up likely for more origination volume in the aggregate, you know, it's the case that I think everyone's become a lot more efficient a lot more efficient and are able to also likely get into new products, new channels. The software available in certain categories has significantly improved over the years. You know, nonetheless, though, the cost of origination in the last decade has just about doubled when you look at it on an absolute basis. So um, I think there are a lot of complexities, certainly. Thing is, is really since the credit crisis, we've been in a pretty steadily down word movement in rates. And if we see a sustained uh, increase in rates, which we really haven't seen over a kind of multi-year period in decades, the industry is going to have to change things and adapt to that. And that's amazing that origination costs have doubled on an absolute basis because the the name of the game at all these conferences I went to in the 20 the teens was, how do we lower the cost of origination? How's technology going to help out with this? You touched on a lot of stuff there. The mortgage industry, people know that it goes through cycles. People in this industry, they're resilient. They have people that have managed through these cycles before. How can companies best weather this specific part of the market cycle? Is, is it as simple as layoffs to cut costs? What, what are you thinking? Yeah, that's, and that's a really difficult thing. And of course, there's th- tens of thousands of people that have made commitments to the companies they work for. And there really is a kind of executive team there's nothing worse than having to to conduct layoffs. That's 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 just horrible. So, you know, of course, I think everyone is hoping that is not the case. You know, certainly you see pockets of that occurring, or companies deciding not to be in particular channels, or potentially even just exiting the business. That seems to have been more. You know, we're, we're not seeing that in mass, though. One one would never know one until it actually happens. In terms of my personal view is mortgage, see mortgage, this is an amazing time to do a lot of great company building. It's an amazing time to do a lot of great company building where you have the opportunity to look at all of your software solutions across the business and upgrade them. Go and get the best modern solutions, most advanced solutions that you believe could increase your revenue per loan or your execution, could automate your workflows, um, to make your team more efficient, a lot more efficient, or to have certain part of your, you know, certain team members maybe move to other roles that would allow the business to be more productive. 
solutions that would uh, increase significantly the transparency and make more data-driven decisions. Um, try to get, for example, off of just relying on spreadsheets and email. I would, you know, looking at up-leveling always process procedures. Look at up-leveling every part of the business you possibly can. This is this is one of those moments, at least in my opinion, that you uh, all companies would be. I mean, you always want to do that, but it's really, really hard to do that when you're in a refi market and you're just trying to get through as many loans as possible to optimize your revenue. And 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 you know, the one thing that is the case that seems to be potentially unlike his, uh, historical cases is uh, lenders retained, I think, and I don't know, but I would imagine they retained a lot of servicing over the last several years. So that should really hopefully help kind of weather this, this period of time. They, they're generating cash off that serving, servicing. The value of that servicing is certainly increasing as rates rise. And I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, the amount of money uh, mortgage companies have made over the last kind of two or three years, they've really fortified their balance sheet. Again, I, the, the mortgage industry is probably one of the more challenging industries to operate uh, in. And I just think that we op- we're, we're kind of fortunate to be in this industry with world-class operators uh, who have seen this and done this and and are really, really, they have a high high degree of confidence in being able to quickly move and adapt to the to the current you know market atmosphere. That's a very good point about servicing. That cash flow can certainly offset some of the loss and originations. I want to close with a somewhat personal question here, and I, I think this is a very interesting question to ask CEOs because you're you're at the head of the company. Who do you go to for business advice? Hmm. You know everyone. Honestly, um, <laughs> I've kind of I I kind of view that in in this very very modern interconnected world, culture is built from within, um, and advice and and counsel um, should be sought from everyone, from every part of the team to uh, the board, of course, to um, the executive team, to customers, uh, and to my to my wife. I mean. There's this constant balance of trying to always move the agenda forward, but do so in a repeatable um, and durable way. And I have a long job description. (laughs) My most important job uh, bullets within that job description are one, recruit and to try to attract the very best talent we possibly can in every part of the business. Two, once they're here, make them and do all I can to be highly communicative, transparent, and you know, unblock them and and and, and just do my part to basically have them hold me accountable to what we want to achieve together. Um, and then three, and this is just a thing that we obsess over, is to constantly innovate and to make our customers happy and successful. And so we have this thing internally that you know we've got two ears and one mouth. We want to be doing doubling the listening. We want to constantly be listening to our customers or, or non-customers, prospective customers, whoever, anyone in the industry who's willing to talk to us. We want to hear it. We want to help solve problems. We want to enhance their, their workflows, their process. How do we help them get better execution on their loans? And we've got a, a culture and a team that is constantly seeking that input. And so when it comes to advice, it's coming from every direction. And I, and I love it. I love it. That's an excellent answer. Thank you for sharing that. 
And for people in the mortgage industry, uh, when it comes to listening, there's there's no better place to listen to get your daily news than the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. So thanks for allowing me to plug that. <laughs> I really do want to thank you for coming on and, and making the time. Polly is is certainly dominating the headlines and uh, continuing to digitize the mortgage space. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Events and trends in the secondary markets impact the rates borrowers see in the primary markets. An ICE data services index that tracks volatility in government debt has jumped to the highest point since March 2020, while a Bloomberg index shows liquidity has dropped to the lowest level since December, driven by concerns about the Russia-Ukrainian standoff, inflation, and the possibility that the Federal Reserve will aggressively tighten monetary policy. Volatility in the Treasury and MBS markets might obstruct the Fed's plan to shrink its balance sheet, strategists say. The Federal Reserve is prepared to increase interest rates in March and might move more aggressively than previously thought to downsize its balance sheet, according to minutes from the January meeting of the Federal Open Market Committee. Committee members expressed concern inflation was spreading beyond industries affected by the pandemic and into the broader economy, as well as discussing accelerating rate increases if inflation were not to subside. Geopolitical jitters have sent investor money to safe havens, causing treasuries and agency MBS prices to rally yesterday. Whatever happens in Ukraine will dominate investor sentiment in the short term more than recent worries of inflation or the hawkishness of the Fed. And that is even with markets still trying to digest the Fed minutes that were released on Wednesday, signaling that likely balance sheet reduction starting in the second half of the year. The Fed is still of the opinion that inflation will moderate as supply chain issues work themselves out. Events in Ukraine also overshadowed key economic releases from earlier this week, namely retail sales and industrial production beating expectations, though supply chain problems persist, producer-level inflation gaining momentum, while broadening to more categories, and an unexpected increase in jobless claims. Yesterday, we saw that housing starts disappointed yet again, coming in down 4.1% at 1.64 million versus the 1.71 million that was expected. New single-family housing permits rose 6.8% over the month to an annualized pace of 1.21 million, the fastest over the past year. Building permits came in at 1.9 million, which was above expectations, even with materials remaining expensive. The disconnect between starts and permits is in large part due to temporary COVID-related factors, causing labor shortages as well as materials and components production. On the bright side, new home construction seems to be resilient in light of rising mortgage rates, and demand for new homes remains strong given the lack of existing inventory available for sale. Economic releases on today's calendar take place later this morning, as existing home sales and leading indicators, both for January, are released. Today also sees several Fed appearances, with Chicago's Evans, Governor Waller, Fed Governor Brainerd, and New York Fed President Williams all set to deliver remarks. The desk will purchase up to $2.6 billion of conventional MBS before the long weekend. With the bond market closed on Monday, Any lender sending out rate sheets is making an estimate. Expect conservative pricing. We begin the day with agency MBS prices unchanged from Thursday evening, and the 10-year also unchanged, yielding 1.97%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. A truck loaded with Vicks VapoRub overturned on the highway. Amazingly, there was no congestion for eight hours. Thanks again to this week's sponsor, Simple Nexus, an NCNO company, an award-winning developer, a mobile-first technology for the modern mortgage lender.
If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.